This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I know Aaron personally, mm-hmm. and I know that he is a, he's a vicious, lying sack. I has know he, that. Has he been in trouble before? I yes. Think so. Yes. Like, not like anything like this was, but um, arrests, um, fleeing down to Florida. Um, he's actually ex-boyfriends with my best friend, Cassie. He put her in the hospital, punched her in the face. Uh, they have, a, like, um, a restraining order against each other and no contact order with each other. Um, he, that was a domestic assault. I think that was last, no. It was last November because I worked with Cassie at Logan's Roadhouse and she came in with a black eye and she lied to everybody and said she got in a car accident. But that was just because her boyfriend came up there. Her boyfriend was the one that gave her rides to work and mm-hmm. paid for her stuff and she didn't want people like thinking bad about Aaron. But I just know the kind of person he is. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there are over 90,000 people missing at any time and over half a million are reported missing every year. And that's just in the United States. I'm Mike Morford. And I'm Jess Betancourt. And in our podcast, Missing Persons, we discuss cases of people who have gone missing under mysterious circumstances. And we're joined in each episode by guests who are either related to the missing person, investigating their disappearance, or advocating for answers in the case. Missing Persons is available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and there are dozens of episodes to binge on right now. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. Even when I found out that Lauren was with them, I was like, why the hell are you with Aaron Aaron Lilly, it's about six foot tall, white male. He is a surfer, country, man bun wearing guy. Just your average looking guy. He seems to be a risk taker and it is shown over and over on his Instagram account, which is public. His profile picture on the Instagram account is quite interesting. It is him mooning everyone. Aaron Lilly was one of the campers on top of the cliff with Lauren that weekend. Uh, so Lauren, Hannah, there's me and Chris. You know, we had our campsite across from the dock uh, at the end of the bar. This recording is done by Jeremy Taylor, the police officer from DeKalb County, speaking with Aaron Lilly a few days after Lauren's death. Not months, not weeks, but days. Listen to what they're saying and the conclusions they're coming up with. I believe the interview was done at the marina where Aaron Lilly worked. The audio is hard to hear. It's definitely not audio that Aaron was speaking into. It was audio that the police officer obviously had in his hand. You know, we all gone with Wakefest that day, come back. Gone out to the bar, drinking. Ex boyfriend was there. I just met him that time. I didn't really meet him. I just know he was there. Uh, you know, we all drank, had a good old time. Uh, eventually, we ended up making our way all back to the campsite. 
was, I guess, much later on, further than I thought. Uh, stuff I did remember later on in the night was like, uh, like I remember going back to camp, actually. Like, I remember coming back, walking down the dock, because I left the bar and I walked up to my truck. And when I came back down to the truck and I went to the end of the bar, or the end of the dock, Chris was asleep on a houseboat uh, that had, we had our boat parked across from. You saw the Malibu. You saw where it was parked, that houseboat directly across. And he was, uh, I charged my phone there. He was sleeping on the front porch right there with them. And uh, I was like walking past him. He was like, hey, uh, your friend's right here asleep. He's looking for you. He didn't want to get back without you. And I was like, oh, I was looking for him. So I sat right there and I didn't sit there too long before Hannah and Lauren both walked up. We ended up, we all made our way back over to camp uh, by canoe. We didn't want to take the boat there. Went back up to camp. Uh, I remember sitting there talking, chilling. I remember talking to Lauren, who was sitting beside me at the time in the lawn chairs. We were talking about her ex-boyfriend and her, she reminded a lot of my ex-girlfriend. She acted just like her, like the craziness, crazy ex-girlfriend. Whoa, 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 hold up right there. You're going to need to listen to that about the crazy ex-girlfriend. This is important because throughout this episode, you are going to get a really good picture of Aaron and his relationships with his ex-girlfriends. This is Aaron Lilly's ex-girlfriend speaking about the first time she met him. Aaron showed up to my 21st birthday and... I got introduced to him, went on somewhere else because there was another guy there I was into. But my best friend fell in love with Aaron. Well, a couple uh, weeks go by and Lauren is heartbroken. This isn't Lauren Agee. This is Lauren Dahlhauser. Um, She is heartbroken. Aaron will not call her. He will not respond to her. She does not understand why. She gave him everything he wanted and he will not call. So... That was my first encounter with Aaron. Well, it just so happened when Lauren was complaining to me on the phone about Aaron, I had another girl at my house named Tian. And I had Lauren on speakerphone and Lauren was like, are you talking about Aaron Lily? And I was like, yeah, we are. Why? She goes, that's my boyfriend. I've been secretly dating him for months. And I, we just immediately found the first triangle of girls. You will hear more on their relationship throughout this episode. Join us on Patreon if you want to look behind the curtain and see what really happens in investigations. Not that we were looking for her, but if she would have been there, he would have seen her there, you know? Like, there's him and his brother, Jared. And, uh, you know, we jumped off the cliff that morning, and when we jumped off, I swam the Jared and Jacob to swam across. We swam back across the dock where Hannah had been on the canoe from the back. And, and she even said to me, you know, she was like, Aaron, when I on the canoe, I looked at her, you know? This is after everything, obviously. She was like, I, I, I glanced around, you know? And uh, we almost went back to the dock. And, you know, we weren't going to abandon her. I would never abandon someone. I'm sure the name Samantha might have came up at some point. She stayed with us the night before. You heard from Samantha Arnold at the beginning of this episode. Samantha was an acquaintance of Hannah and Lauren. Samantha knew Aaron, and she had an opinion of Aaron. She got abandoned there at Wakefest, and that's why she stayed with us at camp. 
was because her ride left her at Wakefest. So she stayed with us. And the next morning, we took her back to the dock, and we didn't leave until we knew for sure that she was going somewhere, so I was going to bring her with us another day at Wakefest. I didn't care, but I could have another girl on the There are so many things in this interview that says volumes. He talks about another girl staying up on the cliff with them, making sure she's safe and making sure she was okay. But what's interesting about that is where was he making Lauren safe? Why wasn't he looking for her, making sure she was safe? There's just so many inconsistencies as a human being in that. And he says, we don't abandon people. What does that mean? Lauren was alone and abandoned in the cove. Where was Aaron Lilly? referring to Clint. Clint is Lauren's ex-boyfriend who was at the marina for Wakefest all weekend. What Aaron is saying is that he spoke to Clint looking for Lauren and Clint said that Lauren had made a move on him. And he, of course, turned it down and that she went to some houseboat. According to Aaron, the last time he saw Lauren was in the hammock and her feet were facing the marina. He doesn't describe who she was with, which hammock she was in, just that she was in a hammock. Like I said, when I went to sleep, dude, like, and I hate it, dude, I mean, I've been reading all this crap. I watched the, the news and stuff. Like, I can't handcuff her and put her to me. She's 21 years old. Like, that would look really bad. Yeah. It's like, I, I can't fall and change her. Once I go to sleep, everybody's all right. That's as far as I can get with anything. I would expect her to have woken me up if she wanted to go back. And if she would have fallen, I mean, she would have 
I find it very interesting that Aaron goes on and on about Lauren possibly falling off the cliff and denying that she did. This is a good point, but he didn't know what shape Lauren's body was in when it was found or the cause of death. It almost seems as if he's trying to divert the conversation somewhere else than from what he actually knows. Buddy on it, it would have, and from where that I saw the boat, because like I, I assume, because you know how there's two coves in the back. Mm-hmm. When I got there, I saw it on the far cove, which is where I pulled the canoe up to talk to the guys that were on it. And uh, they saw me like being on the back side like that. I can only think that she was going, going down or coming back on the steps, that area. The fact that he cannot say Lauren's name, this friend of Lauren calls the body it, is insulting. It kind of disassociates him from the body. And there's, um, he doesn't have to face the reality is that is a human being. Is she not a fighting type girl or she, I don't think so. I mean, She's pretty smart. I mean, from what I gathered, she, she, she works at a lawyer's office or something, doesn't she? Lauren? Lauren. Yeah. I, mean, I think she's got her head on straight for the most part. She's younger than me. So. How old are you? 20? I'm 24. Yeah. When's the crew still awake? About when we sleep. Yeah, right. Chris is asleep on the houseboat before we could even get him to our canoe. We even started to get him up to the mountain. Get up there, get asleep. You don't think that them two have done anything? Uh, I don't think so. Like I said, Lauren had Lauren was very friendly, but she's sitting there crying about her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend. She had like said, um, I guess I have to tell my boyfriend about this. And I'm like, your, your boyfriend, like back in Hendersonville? She's like, yeah, you, you have a boyfriend back in Hendersonville? She's like, well, yeah, I'll tell him about all this. He knows who I am. I'm just like, oh, my God, this girl is crazy. I am sure you caught that Aaron Lilly was painting a picture to Jeremy Taylor that Lauren was very friendly with the opposite sex. We had another girl on the boat with us that day that had him pretty wrapped up, I'd say. much more friendlier towards him. Be willing to take a polygraph. Yeah. 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 We we usually ask people, you know, I don't, you don't know me, I don't know you. Yeah. You know, we get statements from people. I don't, I'm not saying you're lying by no means. I don't want you to think that's the wrong way. Don't take it right They called our our phone, our office phones. They called the sheriff. They text all kinds of media. media media and not one person from the sheriff's department has spoke a word to them not not even a word not hello to them and on the news media it says the sheriff's department says the sheriff's department says and i'm thinking what sheriff's department yeah. person are you it's talking like- to? so jeremy taylor 
the sheriff's office and Aaron Lilly all have something in common. They don't like the news media and especially Fox 17 Nashville because Fox 17 Nashville has been asking questions. And in this case, law enforcement's not going to work with the local media to get witnesses to come forward or the public to know about this case. Now, generally, law enforcement does work with the local media in order to have witnesses come forward. I find it so interesting that Jeremy Taylor is having this casual conversation with a witness talking about how he doesn't like the way the media is portraying the case. Isn't that telling? The teacher like give you a note, you take that note, you read it real quick and you crumble it up, you tell it to this person. By the time it gets all the way around to twelve people, it's like the none of it is the story that you just read on his paper. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable, man. Oh, we know. We know all about it. But uh even if you would have hooked the ball and chained to her and handcuffed her to you, she might have survived this weekend. The phone call you're about to hear is between Sherry Smith and Cassie Franks. Cassie Franks was at the time Aaron's secret girlfriend. Cassie Franks knew Lauren, Hannah, Aaron. She knew them all. I mean, just all kinds of people that know me. Because, like, I'm, I'm kind of like, I know a lot of different groups all over Hendersonville, and everyone knew, like, mine and Aaron's relationship because we were together for four years. But, I mean, me and him broke up because of domestic violence. I mean, he hit we you. went to jail. Yeah, I mean, he hit me. And, I mean, he beat the crap out of me, but I didn't call the police. And then one day, like, he did it at my house early in the morning, and my neighbors called, and both of the police came, and we both went to jail. Cassie, I'm so sorry. Like, we would do, like, the push fights, push yelling fights, but the first sign of really physical violence was the first time he hit me with the car. I mean, he's an alcoholic. He does things when he's drunk that he doesn't even, like, he's a horrible alcoholic, and he just doesn't remember what he does. And, I mean, that's no excuse at all, but, like, that's, that's, like, that's why I mean, like, I don't think he would ever, like, physically hurt someone like that. I don't know. I just don't see him. I feel like if he was going to be, like, violent towards anybody, it mm. would have been towards Hannah. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, my daughter's the one that's dead. I know. Um, I know. Blunt it, force it's trauma. And I was so angry. I, I, I'm still angry. Like, I, I don't care if my worst enemy is missing. I'm going to find them. Like, well, and Hannah didn't. She didn't look for her at all. They didn't go look for her. What was that, ma'am? Yeah, she didn't look for her at all. None of them did. I know she did, and I said that. I literally said that. All right, say it again. <laughs> Cassie Franks. And... What is your relationship to this case? I am Aaron Lilly's ex-girlfriend. How long did you and Aaron date? About three years. Uh, between November of 2012 all the way up to the beginning of 2015. We met because of another guy I was dating. Um, it was my 21st birthday. 
the guy I was dating got a DUI and Aaron was the passenger. So Aaron got all of the guy's stuff that I was dating, like the wallet, everything. He took it all when Cody went to jail. So I was essentially the girl he was dating was like, okay, well, I'll be the middleman for the family. I kind of know Aaron. I have his number. I'll help his family. I'll get all this stuff back. So I ended up, you know, being the middleman there and Aaron kind of got into our friendship circle a little bit more. And so he was around a lot. Well, then Cody and I broke up and it was the end of that. Anything that had to do with Aaron and me started around November 21st. And it just started out as a friendship. And I was like, well, you know, you're not that bad of a guy, I guess. It's just the way things happened. So him and I start dating, but we date secretly. His name is Tyrone in my phone, so no one knows who he is. And we would be in the same group of friends at a bar, and he'd be on the other end of the table, and we'd text to talk. And then when it was time for him to leave, he would leave and wait by my car until it was time for me to come with him. And he would come and get in the car and we'd leave, essentially. Originally, I was told Cassie Frank's name. I heard Sherry's recording with Cassie and I wanted to reach out to her. I tried very hard to get Cassie to talk to me. And for a long time, she would not. Finally... Cassie and I met, and from there, I have met her several times. When I first sat down with Cassie, I wanted to know if the stories about Aaron were true. The very first story that Cassie told me about was a motorcycle accident. Um, well, when he wrecked the motorcycle the first time, mm-hmm. they were drunk, drinking margaritas. Aaron had been driving the motorcycle. He had a passenger on the back, Patrick, and Aaron popped a wheelie. Well, Aaron's known for when you're on a bridge, he pops a wheelie. Patrick grabbed Aaron by the helmet, pulled, and they both fell off. And the bike punctured Aaron, and uh, Patrick got thrown, and like I mean, he got hurt. I mean, his whole body was road rash. Patrick goes on to a hospital. Aaron calls Cassie. Cassie goes over and helps Aaron hide the bike, and then finally got him to the hospital. They didn't tell anybody that it happened. What was our saving grace is earlier that day, Aaron and I were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and it was all over social media. So no one knew we were back in town but the people that were involved. And the story that was going around was the bike was stolen. Aaron told Patrick, I'll pay for all your hospital bills if you just take the fall. You, I'll say you were allowed to ride my bike. I always left the keys in it, that you just wrecked it and got scared and left. Patrick didn't want to go take the fall. I mean, he was down for it at first, and then he changed his mind. Aaron got caught. He was going to jail for two years. So because of why? Reckless driving, um, not having a license. I think um, just like his rap sheet, Judge Hunter said, if I ever see you again, you're getting two 1129s. And what got Aaron off is the cops never took a picture of his motorcycle. Um, So they said it was a Kawasaki, and Aaron said, yeah, it was a dirt bike. Well, you don't have to have a driver's license to have a dirt bike. So he got off because it was Judge Hunter again. He goes, well, Judge Hunter, I'm moving. I'm moving to Florida. Um, and he got a lease signed uh, by his mom saying that she he was living with her. Like, they made up some fake lease and showed it to Judge Hunter, and that's what got him off. And he said, I never want to see you back in my county again. Don't come back. So his mom was willing to fake a lease? Get him out of trouble. Okay. So there's already a background of Aaron 
hiding evidence, having a girl help him, and not telling the truth. Initially, I was told that Aaron was on probation, that he had a domestic issue, and that he had gone in front of Judge Hunter. What I found out was he was not on probation, that he had gone in front of Judge Hunter, but he told the judge he was leaving town. Aaron and Cassie had a very toxic and physical relationship, to say the least, which she talks about here. I mean, it exploded twice. Um, the first time it exploded was my stepdad's 60th birthday party. Um, I broke up with Aaron that day and because I was just tired of it. I, I, was, I couldn't take another moment, and I told him, do not show up at my stepdad's birthday party. I mean, he lived with me at this point, and right. I said, do not show up. Um, he showed up, which I ignored him while he was there, and he drank. So I was like, what is your deal? Like, I told you I didn't want you there. I'm tired of this. Like, do you want to be with me? Do you want to fix things? Like, what is, I, I can't deal with the way you live anymore. Um, you know, I just I want a relationship. I'm tired of taking care of you. And it's like he wouldn't talk about it. I'm like, no, Aaron, we're talking about this. You're not running away from this conversation. And when I told him, like, you know, I wouldn't let him run away from the conversation, he got on top of me and started just beating the crap out of me. And, like, so I fought that, and it turned into, like, a huge fiasco where my parents were involved, and my parents saw the whole thing. And, you know, I ended up, like, I bit Aaron because he was on top of me, and I couldn't get him off and he was on my hands. Uh, Aaron woke up the next morning and saw my face and said it, thought it was makeup. He goes, your makeup's all over your face. And I looked at him like he was an idiot, obviously. And I was, he's like, did I do that to you? And I said, yes, you did this. Like, and he was like, I am so sorry. Like, he immediately was just like apologetic. I, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that. Is that why my hand hurts? And, I, and then, like, I was like, well, yeah, probably. And I was like, and also because you broke my phone against the wall, you shattered my phone, and you put that hole that's in the wall. The whole next week, he was, like, he acted like, you know, he was the best boyfriend in the world. So, you know, when people would ask questions, you know, Aaron had a broken hand on his dominant hand, and they would be like, did he do that to you? And, I, and Aaron would be like, no, why would, I, why would I hit her? A box fell on her face. Her, her parents just moved. And, like, he wouldn't even let me talk. It was always a different story for until the bruises went away. Cassie has pictures of her abuse. Solid evidence of someone choking her and grabbing her. The DeKalb County police officer saw it, and it's nowhere in the police file. Cassie met with... Jeremy Taylor for three hours and none of that recordings in the file. I think that the pictures show a pattern. Bite mark and arm being grabbed and the throat. I think that's all very important. If you fight a certain way, it's going to show up in your former relationships. I think that this is, is very telling on the way Aaron fights. What about Virginia? If if Aaron, when did you have Virginia at your home? Did did Virginia do anything when Aaron was beating you? Just a reminder: Virginia is Aaron Lilly's emotional support dog. No, um, well, she like cowered down. Um, 
Virginia is like the sweetest dog in the world. Virginia's so terrified of Aaron, so okay. she would cower down and like just kind of like, okay. all right, Dad's, you know, in his mode or something, you know, because. I mean, he used to beat her with trash cans and belts and stuff. Oh, for so, God's sake. Uh, I had to leave. I couldn't handle it. Um, about a week, week and a half later, we were supposed to be moving in with his brother, Charles, in White House. And I said, can we just wait till next weekend to start packing? Like, I'm just not ready to do this. Like, let's wait till next weekend. And he wouldn't stop packing his stuff. Like, he was packing his bags. And I'm like, I'm not going this weekend. Like, he's like, well, I'm ready to go, and you're coming with me. And I was like, no, I'm not leaving. Like, I'm not doing it this weekend. So he made me so mad, I picked up all his stuff and threw it out in the front front yard. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, it, like, set him off. And he, like, bum-rushed me when I had all of his stuff in my arms. And on my front porch and he, he shoved me down onto my like the concrete steps in my mom's house there's two sets of stairs she lives on a hill on the front porch so i had gone down the first set of stairs and i was on the, the flat top right to go down the next step and he came up the stairs and he pushed me backwards holding my neck and pushed me down onto the stairs behind me and so i fought back and i pushed him back and i was able to get up and i pushed him as hard as I could into the railing straight across from him. And honestly, I almost pushed him off the railing, but he didn't, he didn't go. Um, he calls the cops. And he tells the cops that, please come, my girlfriend's crazy, she won't let me leave, she's nuts, and like, so he was on top of me, strangling me, and I pushed back. Um, but since he had that little cut on his hand, they decided to take both of us to jail. But I think they decided to take me to scare me. Because I was never handcuffed and I was never, like, treated like an inmate when we were there. Um, the whole, did they book you? They did, but, like, they took my picture and my fingerprints. But then it came back when they showed me my paper when they were releasing me that I was released for civil uh, to keep the peace. And the whole time I was there, they, they showed me his rap sheet. Like, why are you with him? The next time we're called, you could be dead. Like, you need to get away. Like, they were just trying to talk me out of it. And, like, I was crying. And and I was like, oh, but I love him. And, you know, I was the, the pathetic, you know, victim, I guess you could say. The fact that Cassie came forward and told her relationship, what happened to her, is extremely brave. So, within a week of each other, he assaults you, basically. Twice. Twice. He reprogrammed my whole brain. I don't know how he did it in three years, but he did it. Look, nobody wants to think evil's been in their life. Lauren's family gives their full permission for any and all details to be shared in hope that the truth will come out. If you know anything at all, call 1-888-599-0008 or email tips at SheilaWysocki.com. Join us on Patreon if you want to look behind the curtain and see what really happens in investigations. Next, on part two of episode three, Without Warning. So timeline-wise, it was January that y'all had your big fight, and the judge said, okay, you guys have to 
separate, mm -hmm. right? And then you all secretly stayed in touch, correct? But he was dating other people at that time. Yes, without me knowing. And then in July, the big reveal of Hannah. Yes. Friday morning and said, well, will I see you at Wakefest? And he was like, yeah, I'll be there. And I was like, I'm assuming the, the normal spot. And he was like, yeah, you'll, I'll see you there. And I texted him throughout the rest of the day. Uh, when I got to Wakefest, he was already there. The campsite was already built. Texted him and he got it. So they can't say that there wasn't service because he got it. And then he was like, yeah, um, I'll see you later, you know, at, at the bar. And that's when I saw him and he walked in with Hannah. Without warning, host, executive director, and executive producer, Sheila Waisaki. Producers, Katie Zitzman and Aaron Parker. Editors, Katie Zitzman and Aaron Parker. Narrator, Tim Evans. Thank you for listening to Without Warning. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a quick review to help others discover it too. If you or someone you know knows something about this case or the people involved, you can submit tips by emailing tips at shilawaisaki.com.